0: What's up, Redemption? How you doing? As always, John Hendricks here, welcoming you to episode number 20 of the Threshing Floor Podcast. That's right, small milestone, but we've reached episode 20. On this week's episode, we're welcoming Brad and Rob Smith, two people that have been on the podcast before. We're welcoming them back and we're going to be talking about combos within the game of redemption and the state of combos and how much combo is too much combo how uh, soon should something be done about recent combos that have come out. We're going to get into all of that and talk about that with these guys. I want to thank you for being here as always. Can't do it without people listening. So appreciate you. All right. Thank you for joining on another episode of the threshing floor. As always, I'm John Hendricks and Joined by Brad, our usual suspect. What's up, everybody? Um, in addition to Brad, we also have Rob Smith on, who is DemonHunter85 on the boards and Discord. How you doing, Rob?
1: Doing good. Glad to be back, John.
0: Yep. Last time you were on, you said you felt kind of like uh, you were pushed to the back. We had a bunch of cool people come on, high-end people, and then it was you. So, um, you know, I actually pushed Chris back this week to get you on, you and Brad, to talk about what we're going to talk about. So... Go ahead and feel a little special for that.
1: Well, I appreciate that. No hard feelings, Chris.
0: Um, so I guess we'll just jump right into what this week's episode is going to be about. Um, if you have been paying attention to Lackey Grand Prix uh, meta and kind of identifying the meta with that, it's completely shifted from the first run of the Lackey Grand Prix to this one because GOC cards have come out. And in addition to that, the IJ Plus cards. And if you saw Jaden's video two weeks ago, he broke the game. Jaden broke the game. And I don't think anyone really expected anyone else to break the game but Jaden. So um, with that, we're going to be talking about, I I guess, the state of combo within the game of redemption and being a big – big fellow myself, I know my way around a combo or two, so um, I guess we'll, we'll just jump right in both you, Rob, and Brad you guys have both played against the first combo, which is Meek Soul Unity except for the first, and it can lead to a state where you can deck out turn one um, you had it, Rob, against Jaden the guy who um, I guess did it the first time that anyone had seen it, I don't think it had been brought to light before that. How did it feel sitting there and watching him him go off?
1: Um. Well, it honestly, I I quite enjoyed it for a minute there. It was just like watching it. you know, going, you know, because he in the video, if you guys have seen it, he explains, you know, well, this is how the interaction works. Because I wasn't aware when, I, when it was first being done, like, and then so he's showing me this, I'm just watching him, like okay, is this similar to the love at first sight where I'm going to sit here and just I have time to go order some food and do a little laundry and then come back and, you know, maybe have a turn? But um, it's definitely fun to watch, but at the same time, you're just like, wow, I wasn't prepared for this, and this is kind of nutty that this is going to happen like this. So,
0: Brad, you you also faced it, not from Jaden, but you faced it in round one of the Lackey Grand Prix against um, – Bingaling, uh, that, that's his name on Discord, um, I, I think his actual name's Seth, and so he played it against you, and you told me after the game was over, he forgot to trigger his first in the opening eight, and then he proceeded to steal deck out turn one.
2: Yeah, so I give a lot of props to Seth. Um, you know, he. I, I'm not sure how, I'm sure his, his deck was a little bit different than Jaden's was, but... Yeah, he, he drew his his first eight. He got the first and had Meek Souls out. And uh, I was like, oh, no, not this again. And uh, he went first. Um, he rolled higher than me. And uh, he got to his prep phase. He then had a few people in territory that played like a four or two. He's like, hey, man, I forgot to trigger the first. I was like, man, I'm sorry. It's a turtle." <laughs> and so, but I didn't want – I mean, I was like, oh, man, this is going to screw up his whole deck. Like, Like, I knew – he, what he was trying to do, I, well, I thought I did at least from uh, watching Jaden's video, he proceeds to work around that. And like you said, by the end of his turn, he had eight cards in his deck. Um, and six of those I underdecked in battle with the outsiders because he had um, Noah, Meek, and Territory. Okay, so he didn't technically deck <laughs> out, he had two cards left. <laughs> he would have had two cards left. And I'm like, dude, how did you just, how did you literally just do that missing that cue? Mad props to him. He did a really good job on that. But um in saying that, you know, it's like you said, <laughs> should I go do laundry? Should I go like <laughs> order pizza? I mean, the first turn took about thirty minutes. Like before I ever drew my my first three cards for my first turn. Uh and that wasn't him just waiting around and like stalling. That was just it just took that long. What was your what was your final score though, Brad? Well, it ended up being five four, but 5-4, uh, who won?
0: <laughs> who won, Brad? i not, not trying to rub it in anybody's
2: face or anything, but, um, yeah. Brad I mean, won. Okay, okay, I won. Brad,
0: take take the cl- – claim claim your fame. He decked out, turn one, you still won the game 5-4. Yeah. But he had reserved you, – you told me he reserved your son of God, so you won five souls the old-fashioned way.
2: Yeah, I had to use my second coming on the first hand because he tried to impartial judgment me on first turn while decking out. Um, so I went and got three woes and had to negate that but um, the game really the game really flipped because he had all his evil characters out there and I had I forget what the enhancements called but I went into battle and it reserves all evil characters Um, and so I reserved all his evil characters (laughs) and then he didn't have anybody to block
0: (laughs) so it it ended up working out it backfired a little bit yeah. Um, so you won five four, and Rob, you weren't so fortunate. You got beat five one against Jaden.
1: Oh yeah, I, I, I was definitely drunk through the rigor there. And I think at one point I was I had something got in my hands. Like you know what, I'm, you're not gonna five zero me. I'm getting one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna at least, I'm at least gonna make this not you know a shutout yeah. out here.
0: So so we've got two different players, two different games. I have not personally played against um, just the first combo. We'll get into that a little bit more against what I've played, but. So we've got a 5-4 win. Brad withstood it and won. And you played it and got beat 5-1 without any heads up that it was a thing. At least Brad knew that it was a thing, so when he saw it coming into play, he was like, oh, here we go again. So he at least had some prior knowledge where you didn't necessarily.
2: Yeah, and I'll say, you know, I think that may have been Seth's first time (laughs) playing as well. I don't know how familiar he was with his cards and his deck. I think if he was a little bit more familiar or had optimized a few cards, I probably wouldn't have stood a chance, to be honest. Um but I I was able to capitalize on a few key mistakes or, you know, just again, not the deck not being optimized. So
0: Um So I wanted to have a discussion about this because it, it came up kind of some people a little little worried about it turning into a situation like last year where Nats became the, the meta at Nats was are you playing combo or are you not playing combo and it kind of affected a lot of your matchups throughout the rounds and so I wanted to talk about that and honestly the way that the love at first sight came up and just there was a lot of like a lot of talks about it but everybody was having talks about it last year you know on phone calls with individuals and things on the back end and kind of some of some of that kind of led to the, um, kind of sparked the idea for me to actually come out with the podcast so that we could discuss things like that as they happen and are relevant to, you know, everyday players. And, you know, of course it's posted on the boards of Discord, but it's a lot more engaging to hear people talk about it. So it was one of the ideas. So I'm definitely glad that we have an opportunity to talk about new combos coming out in a better forum for um, getting that information to the community and kind of giving thoughts about it. Do you guys think your initial thought? You played against it. One of yous won. One of you didn't. Um, do you think something needs to be done to slow down that interaction, or do you think? Do you think? Um, I guess again, and I've talked to both of you guys. We it's a fine line that the leadership for the game has to walk because I'm. I really appreciate the fact that when Gabe comes out and talks about a combo, he's like, we're going to let a combo exist to the point to where it's going to have to be proven that it's unhealthy for the game for us to interject because there are players that only want to play card games like these because they're a combo-type player. And we definitely don't want to push those players away. I'll be honest with you, last year, I didn't really want to run the combo at nationals or whatnot, but it was fun to actually learn about how to pilot a combo deck. I've never done that since starting this game and the the way that I used to play in Yu-Gi-Oh when I played that very briefly. I wasn't I wasn't trying to abuse one card interaction to the point to where my deck was built entirely around that. So learning about that, I can definitely see how that's engaging for players and makes them want to play the game that style. And I definitely think there needs to be a, a you know, an area for them to exist within the meta to where I I guess they have the ability to do things that are fun to them and engage them and make them want to play the game. But then how much of that is too much and that's a fine line that leadership has to walk. So we're we're not second guessing anything, we're not first guessing, we're not we're just we're just debating. Healthy debate here. Our our discussion. Maybe not even debate. I guess debate requires that we've got two sides. We might all agree who knows. But what do you guys think about do you think something needs to be done to tone it down?
2: So initially, like you said, I like the idea of just letting it play out for a while. I like—I don't think somebody should come on and be like, yeah, something needs to be done. Like right now, boom. <laughs> um, but I will say, I think that anything, like my uh, stipulations for something being abused is being able to run something like over and over again, like a bunch of times, like any card it'd be like if you could play maybe not Son of God, but a card over and over and over again. The first is one of those things that you can keep playing it and there's only a couple cards in the game that can stop it. So, um, for instance, one thing we talked about is um, that it just stays on your deck. And Herod's Temple and stuff interacts with it really well. You can reserve it, which puts it in play. Then you can draw a card. You can get to hand limit every single battle uh, as well as tossing all enhancements, uh, so that's a really big benefit. Or you can just do it at the end of the battle, and uh, so you can go to hand limit, um, and so you can end your ev- every turn like that until you run out, which more than likely you're gonna run out first turn. But uh, one of the most frustrating things is the fact that it always stays in your deck, so you can't send a god it, and this is what we were talking about beforehand, right? Um, you can't send a god it, you can't. Uh, what was it? you can't get it like you just you can't rescue it. It's just always gonna be on the deck unless they choose to keep it in play, which who's gonna do that right unless you're trying to pull off the cross or something um but I wish that it said if drawn, um then you may top the deck this and draw one.
0: I think which which would effectively just cut out the Herod's temple manipulation and the harvest time manipulation,
2: yeah. Getting it in play different ways. Um, I think Covet, for instance, you know, if drawn or um, Darkness if drawn or put in play by an opponent's special ability, then you get the benefit. Those those are great because they don't break the cards like that, uh, or you because those souls have a very strong ability, and so I think they require a little bit more than like just put in play. <laughs> you know, um, so that would be that would be mine, but. Again, I'm willing to kind of let it sit out, which um I know I'm talking for a while, but like seeing these combos is great because if I were to get hit, if if Jaden and others were to just hang on to these till Nationals and hit you with them, that would be like, oh man. But when you know they're there, you can kind of build your deck around it, which I'm okay with that. But at the same time it's like I can't build a deck how I want to build a deck cuz I have to I have to build my deck around this. <laughs> and then go from there
1: yeah i think uh, for me um i kind of agree with both of both you guys like john i know it's you said it. like it's a thin line like it's really hard to like just jump in there and say all right this needs to be banned like right away like this is unhealthy and you want those combo players to have that part of it and then the other side of that coin when you have these newer players you know we're trying to get this game to grow and see more people into this and they come in and face something like that right away it's it's got to deflate them like really quick um, I don't think I'm at the point where I'm like, yeah, this is a terrible thing and it needs to be banned, it needs to be eradicated. Um, I know that the, whatever does happen, you know, I know all of us, you know, we trust the leaders that are there and they're looking at it and, but it, it's, it's not as bad as love at first sight. I mean, even, even with my game, like I recognize some of the things that I was doing that I could have changed. Um, for instance, not playing the hopper, if you're playing the meat, glossal unity um that kind of messed me up there but even i could have played burial a little earlier or right after he played harvest time i mean there's different things that you can have in your hand to kind of slow it down um but i think where it gets dangerous is that especially if they're going first and they are decking out and they're getting down they're probably going to not only have their pieces that they want to rescue and win or they're going to get into their dominance but they're probably going to draw into their counters too which is going to slow you down so even if they don't like get like the best things if they can put any any couple of counters down and then you're starting eight you didn't get anything to punch through that it's you could be just an uphill battle like the whole game but just like what I was in so yeah
0: um again thin line you guys make some great points I think the and I know that I told Brad I wanted to make this point but he went ahead it's it's hard not to talk about it if you think about it think about it in context the first lost soul is the only soul that is protected by itself. Its own ability protects it from the son of God. Literally there's if, if they choose to put it on their deck, you can never play son of God on it. It's the only, the only soul that does not present an opportunity except for maybe a hopper once it's in your territory, but then it's still in play doing something. Um, The fact that, You come out, you gain the ability, and then you hide it from the Son of God. So even if they're sitting there with Son of God, second coming, like they can't stop your interaction with this card. I think that's part of it. Um, But I definitely also see like the fact that Brad was able to win, and you also have the cross that potentially punishes for an opponent decking out. I don't think decking out turn one is healthy for the game overall, but is it – Is it unhealthy for a season for that to dominate to where, you know, you have to play with an idea of how to work around that? Um, And I'll say this about last year's meta that kind of got warped for nationals. Everyone wants to talk about the negative side of it and um, the fact that we're glad that it got nerfed afterwards and a lot of people wish it had gotten done beforehand. Going into Nationals, I definitely wanted something to be done about it because I didn't like the fact that I couldn't play the deck I wanted to because the counters that were targeting love at first sight, if you were playing counters in your deck, which most people were, they were going to shut down the deck that I wanted to play. But throw that thought away. When you have a player like Josh come in and build a deck that comes into a heavy combo meta and it's a a combo that needs two cards to go off. And I would... Uh, say the consistency is at least 90% it was going off turn one and the version that uh, Jeremy was running that I mirrored when I played or somewhat mirrored with just a few tech differences um, is about 9 out of 10 times you're going to get that combo off first turn and then you're going to devastate your opponent and roll to a win and then obviously when everybody got word of it the combo, the, the counter to the combo came out It could slow it down, but for someone to build a counter deck and then go and win against the field in regular matchups and against Love at First Sight to where when Josh won that, I think it means more that he was able to navigate the minefield of what the meta was, and that makes his win mean a little bit more, in my mind, because he was able to overcome something. He didn't play the deck that he wanted to, like Brad mentioned, but he played the deck he had to in order to win, and anytime time you're playing a competitive game, is not always going to be cut and dry to where I get to play what I want and be competitive. In order to be competitive, you're going to have to read the meta, read the field, and then build your deck in order to stop things of that nature. And I think Josh did a fantastic job with his deck, and it was overwhelmingly impressive to see him do that and get to witness it firsthand, you know, being at Nationals last year. I think at a certain point, like, letting that happen, we don't get that that experience of Josh going – and showing what he can do with building a deck again and, and building an, a successful counter deck that weighted the coin flip in his favor. We don't get that without leadership deciding that they're not going to do anything about the combo until after Nationals. And then as soon as Nationals was over, boom, it's fixed. It's not going to affect the meta the next year. So we have a season of love at first sight. I mean, the Bible says to everything there is a season... So do we do we grab this first combo and immediately rip it down or do we let it show that it's unhealthy for a season and then get rid of it? And then, like I said, we're not second-guessing, first-guessing leadership's decisions. They're going to make the decisions they feel are healthy for the game. They're in those positions for a reason. But I definitely – I enjoy seeing the combos come out because it takes creativity to come up with them. I know there's type of players that that's the reason they play the game – But then you have to wonder, what is too much? Where's that line? Um, So, assuming that this is coming out on Tuesday when it's supposed to, we're recording Sunday night. Hi, guys. Let you know a little bit of the backdrop here. Recording Sunday night. Jaden has a gameplay footage video from round one of the Lackey Grand Prix that should be coming out on Monday. So, by the time you're listening to this, Yesterday, Jaden dropped a video that you should have watched. Um, that deck contains a combo that might might be one that doesn't need to go for a season. Um, if you have not watched that video, definitely, definitely go and watch it because there's no reason for you to listen to me tell you about it when you can see the guy that created the deck, pilot it, and show you what it does. But... Just in a, a, a very basic version, it uses a interaction with Life in the Sun and Ephesian Widow. And it allows you to basically use those two cards as long as you control a Meek Clay card to deck out turn one. And then after you deck out turn one, you now have all of your resources. You put them in play as you've got gotten them out of your deck. So you're sitting there, you know, hand limit or, or a little under. But you've got all your cards, everything that you could play down. You've played down the Church of Christ, and now you have Apollos. And now instead of using life in the sun, recurring it in an infinite loop to draw out with Ephesian Widow, now you're bouncing bouncing Apollos, and you're creating a token every time with the Church of Christ. That's a current token. So then you can play sowing bountifully equal to or greater than the number of cards in their deck. And then you can reveal every evil card, in, or every card in their deck, and discard every evil card that's evil dominance, dual alignment, basically everything that they can block with that's not in the opening hand. Every evil dominant gone out of the deck, and then you can manipulate the game the rest of the way to win. Now, you don't get a bunch of five o five one wins like you do necessarily with the love at first sight combo from last year but with this combo and we'll just call it we'll just call it the Jaden combo. I don't I don't know. We we've got to come up with a cool name for it, guys. Um so we're open to suggestions. But this deck completely wipes out defensive resources and then they still have their good cards for the most part. Um and they get to use those to try to, you know, outpace you to 5, but there's no blocking interaction from them except for what they had in their opening hand. And if you do it turn one, they don't have access to the reserve to refill their hand uh, or with evil resources once those are played out. Um, so turn two, then they can start gathering resources from the reserve if they still have reserve access. But I showed both of you this combo right before we recorded. Um, I also played a game against Jay today where he used the combo against me that I'm guessing him and Josh built – for him to try out after Josh lost to Jaden with the combo in round one of Lackey. I think me and Jay were one of the last games um, completed for round one of the Lackey Grand Prix. I had a decent showing, but we'll get into that in a moment. I'll talk about that specific game, but bottle, bottle up exactly what you thought the first time I ran through and showed you the combo. what do you think about it, Rob?
1: Um. So as you were, breaking it down and showing it to me, I was just kinda of shocked and just the cards that you see involved are like well, like you said, like Apollos or um Ephesian Widow and you're just like, Well I mean, who even uses those cards? They haven't really been meta relevant for a little bit and just the I gotta applaud Jaden and say right now the mindset that he has and I've even told him that before. Like he looks at this game through a different lens than everybody else and just can see these things and just looking at that and it's just, you stand there like, I don't think I had many words when you were showing me at first. I think I was just like, wow, like this is real. Like this is, you can keep doing that loop and getting, getting to go over and over and over and um, just to be able to deplete somebody's entire defense, um, turn one. And, and they're basically just left with whatever's in their hand. Um, unless there's other cards that are, that they're playing to start hitting their hand as well. But I mean, that's a big blow and that's really hard to come back from and again you're you're wanting to place cards down it's you know a point that i mentioned before you're wanting to put cards down to keep drawing so some of those cards could be counter cards i mean it's going to be set up to where you're just gonna be backed into a corner um and we were talking about a little bit before you know this like to be able to use a card an infinite number of times it's just it's ridiculous i mean this is one that I probably would say, yeah, I kind of agree with you, John. I don't think this should last for a season. So, <laughs> but uh, definitely props to Jaden and and you know Josh and all those involved for seeing this because it is definitely busted.
0: Yeah, um, what do you think, Brad? What were your initial thoughts?
2: Uh, I'll, I'll say about the same thing. Um, I think with uh, the first deck. You know, even though you can deck out first turn, which I don't really like that aspect. Like, I don't think anybody should deck out There shouldn't be a way to deck out 50 cards before an opponent has a chance to take a turn. That's just my opinion. But it's here, it's there, so you got to get around it somehow. That's fine. Uh, But with this, like, in the first deck, you have to have a bunch of enhancements to help you get there. Like, there's this enhancement that gets that, and then you burn it okay, there's this enhancement that goes and grabs whatever, it goes to discard, blah, blah, blah. The fact that you can deck out and not lose anything, (laughs) essentially, that you can literally just put everything in your territory and have all these counters and cards, and you have your whole hand set up, and it's like, oh, by the way, my discard pile has two cards in it, but I've went through my whole deck. That to me is like, and it's not even that hard to get to you know. couple cards here. You know, you may have the Crowd's Choice in your discard pile and one or two others, and then you got other stuff like Wages and stuff that just keeps reshuffling. Yeah, that's a little, like... Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, let's play it out. Like, I would love to play against... I would love to try to make a deck to try to play against it and win. That would be interesting, uh, as you mentioned.
0: Funny you should say you'd like to play against it. <laughs> um, because the way the way that this came up is, so yesterday, again, we're recording Sunday, so anybody in the community that plays Pokemon Go, yesterday, so Saturday, was a 12-hour day for a Johto Tour event, and I had set that day aside to spend with the family, and I wasn't real active on Discord or anything. We were out hunting Pokemon and trying to find Shinies and... You know, doing a lot of stuff just to just to waste time, just spending time with each other. Um, having fun doing all that. Yes, I'm a nerd, but you know what? Shut up, so are you. You play redemption. Um the 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 point is, at about I don't know, eight thirty, nine o'clock, um, John asked me if I wanted to play a game. John early. And I was like, Sure, I'll play a game. And then it took a little while for me to get home. You know, he he kind of bashed me because I, I I let him down. And then finally got home. We got the game in. Turns out he was using this combo deck against me that I knew I had already been given a heads up by Jeremy. So Jay, Jay didn't tell me about it. He was just going to play it against me. And that's fine. But Jeremy gave me a heads up. Hey, there's a combo deck that Jay wants to try out. He's going to be using it against you tomorrow. Didn't tell me what it was. But... I can assume what cards would be involved just because I've seen I'm in tune enough with the community this year to where like it just doesn't come out of left field that there's a combo. Like I'm talking to people enough to where now I can kind of pick up an idea. So I told I told uh John, yeah, I'd like to get a game in because I need to test um a deck that I'm going to run. I'm just going to run Jaden's deck that he played against Matt in his last video. I'm going to run that deck against Jay tomorrow. He's got some combo deck. I don't really know what it's doing, but I didn't want to build a deck to try to stop a combo because I wanted to see what it did first. So I took that, and he was like, uh, well, what do you think the deck does? Or or somehow we got talking about what the deck does, and I started throwing out guesses, and apparently Jayden was over at his place, or he was at Jayden's place. So they were together, and they just had a good old time because I was throwing out these guesses about this combo deck, knowing good and well that John was about to use this combo deck against me. And so we 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 sit down, we're playing. And he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going to play the combo deck that you're you're going to face tomorrow from Jay, you know, his version. Um, so we get the opening eight, and I have one star ability, and I go ahead and use a Minadab star ability, and it hits his Church of the Christ. And he's like, well, that'd be a good game because that's a very vital part. And I actually had a really good opening hand for stopping him, you know, using no changes, just using that deck that Jaden played with last week, uh, which was that 57 card. So it had an extra dominant in there. Um, but anyway, he was like, so you would have you, you won, I guess. But do you want me to show you how the combo works? And I don't know necessarily that I, I would have won or whatnot, but I'll just take his word for it. He showed me how the combo works. Jay didn't know that I knew how the combo works when we started our game. He might have had an idea that, you know, I'm cunning enough to to kind of figure it out or that someone would have talked. But so he start, he starts off, and I get the perfect opening hand to stop him today in our Lackey Grand Prix round one game. He won five to four, but he did not pull off the combo with sewing bountifully to take my evil cards. I got turn one, or opening hand. I, I won the roll, and I got to choose who was going first, and I chose him to go first, even with a combo deck, because I had Distress down. I had Shipwreck in my opening hand. I wanted him to drop his Church of Christ and just go ahead and hit Shipwreck on it, and that was going to be it. And I had distressed. I figured I, w- I was good there, and I didn't want him to get three more cards if I went first before he went and tried to pull it off. So I stalled him first turn, and then I laid down counters. He never got the combo off, and we went back and forth um, a little bit. I was slow playing it so that I was making the smart decisions to try to stop what I knew was going to be coming with the combo deck. And at toward the end, he ended up getting to his Ephesian Widow and his Life in the Sun, and he just needed to get to his Second Coming to get his last free soul. It was it was a you know a four four game at that point. He gets them down, and there's just this endless cycle that I can't I can't do anything to stop it. Um, I had already used Dominance to stop him from comboing earlier in the game. He knew that. Smart player. He also um, used, you know, a, a few different techs in there that John didn't have in his deck. So there, there's a, a lot of individuality in this while still using the common cards to pull off the combo. And he ended up getting his Son of God, dropping it 5-4. He won. But he did not get the sewing Bound Fleet combo off, and we didn't really play what would be a normal game. I told – John asked me how the game went afterwards, and I was like, honestly, I feel like I played one of my best games ever because I came into the game when everything was aggro. It was like all – my phrase, all gas, no brakes. And I put the brakes on today, and I played that game in a slow fashion, methodical, making the smart play – um, at each turn that I thought was the right play. Um, and there was a couple of things I could have done different and maybe pulled out the win. But 5-4 against a combo deck, that's as devastating as we're talking about. I don't think is bad. Um, obviously, he didn't combo, which, you know, helped me make it 5-4. But I thought I had a pretty good showing. Um, I played did – you, did you guys, Brad, Brad and Rob, did you guys see Jaden's video from last week? the deck that he used
1: um, I actually have not watched that yet sorry Jaden <laughs> yeah I, I watched it
0: ok so Rob you need to quit slacking you need to watch the videos every week when they drop Thursday you oh, know what uh, I do Thursday afternoon I've got it on my calendar I'm at work do not disturb me um, I'm just kidding but pe- people don't bother me uh, I really do watch it just about every Thursday around 2 o'clock like I just get a, a slow afternoon boom I watch them So I was watching him play this deck, and I was like, okay. He used Song of Moses to come out off of David's heart, play first off David the Psalmist to get all of these counter heroes out. I was like, that looks cool. If you can pull that off early. So I took that deck, and I made three changes knowing that Jay was running a combo deck, and I didn't want to sell out to stop a combo, but I did add three changes just to make me what I thought would be competitive, and it would give him an idea of what the deck could do against somebody that has knowledge of it. Um, so I threw 24 elders into the reserve and got rid of a card from reserve to free up a spot in the main deck to add virgin birth. And then I dropped another hero because he had delivered in there offering your son. And I was like, I feel like I need another way to play these just for the numbers to match up for me to be comfortable. So I dropped someone and I added... Um I added Jacob, which is from Cloud of Witnesses that protects hands and your hand and deck. because um, I was gonna add a green guy. He's green, he offers a benefit. And then I swapped out Orphan's Lost Soul, which protects lost souls from evil cards for Punisher, another negate lost soul to negate heroes if you control more than three good brigades. And all of those, all of those changes were important for me. Um, stringing him out because on virgin birth, if I'm not mistaken, that might've been how I got, that might've been how I got my shipwreck from the opening turn. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I also had Chronicles of the King. So the game opens and this is, you know, trying to stop the love it for sight counter from last year opening turn. Tell me when you're in your prep phase, I let Jay go first because I had the distressed lost soul and I mentioned I didn't want him to gain three more cards before going. So I let him go first. I said, let me know when you're in your prep phase. All right, I'm in my prep phase. Drop Chronicles. He's like, that's okay. I can, I can do what I need to do in discard phase. Um, and then something else happened. He ended up not being able to pull it off. Uh, I think it was the fact that I had to stress down. So then I go and I add my Jesse the next turn. Um, I had a couple of other cards, counters. And I was able to string it out to a competitive 5-4. And I'm trying to reason in my head whether I think it was overpowered because I feel like you could build a deck to stop it and do mostly well. It has a lot of different points. And you guys, from the point that that we watched earlier where I showed you guys how it kind of works and the idea behind it, there's a lot of chance for you to interject and have ways to stop it versus Love at First Sight last year. Once it popped off with those two cards – It needed Jacob, follower of God, and hidden treasures. And after it got those two cards, you couldn't do anything to stop it. So there's a lot more opportunity to stop and interact with this combo. Do you guys think that that means that we should – I know, Rob, you mentioned you you don't think maybe it, it should go a whole season as well, but the more I think about it, I played against it. I had opportunities to stop it, and I almost won am I wrong for thinking that maybe it's even as strong as the impact of it? Maybe the fact that it's so vulnerable to counters, maybe there's a balance there that allows it to last maybe for the season. What what do you, Uh, what do you guys think? think?
1: I don't think you're necessarily wrong in that. I mean, that's just, I mean, maybe it's just my opinion that I was so strong, heavy, that it shouldn't last. I mean, I guess the way I'm looking at it is yes, there are plenty of counters and, chronicles being one distressed you know we talked about like you have to build your deck a certain way and so maybe and i think we didn't even talk about even before we recorded about okay some of the souls that we like like undesirables like that we want to really test out and play because they're fun to play we might have to just go Ah, eh, we're just not gonna play that and then you play the distressed and um whether it's the blind soul um and then hunter to grab either one of those and and then Covet to take their first out. I mean, that's four out of your seven souls right there. Um, You just play those different things to try and hit them. And so it's going to, you have to modify your deck in that, but I guess it really boils down to like your opening eight. And if you open and you don't have any of those, you don't have the shipwreck, you don't have the chronicles, or just anything to kind of slow them down enough, you know, they could, roll away with it. And so that kind of and 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 you said that you mentioned in your game with Jay that he didn't really have enough to even in the discard phase to really go off. I mean, there's and I think even one of the times we were going through it there was you hit that little stall too, like and so it was like, "Okay, well, I didn't really get to go full combo and go completely empty my deck." So there is those odds that that can happen, but how what is the percentage? You know, we mentioned earlier about 90 Percent for Love at First Sight, and I think your number is accurate on that. But what is, what do we think the percentage is that they're not going to brick in their opening hand, and you're going to open at least one or two of something to kind of put a wall up that they have to at least give you a turn and slow them down a little bit. So I guess that's something we'd have to see at least for a little bit and and see what you know as we see games being played, what the percentage is that it's hitting. I mean. Love at First Sight was scary, accurate, turn one. And this looks to be something like that, but you're going to have to make every card in your deck count. When you're looking at your what you're putting in, whether it's a soul, whether it's a dominant, or, which are probably the two main ones that are going to help you in your opening eight, or maybe a star ability as well, like you, you hit with uh, a Mimidad. Um, you're going to have to make them count, and hopefully that in your opening eight, get something that you can just stop them right there.
2: One thing it comes down to is... You either are sold out to stop it, or you go first. So, because if most likely, if if uh, if you're not sold out to stop it, then most likely then you're playing it.
0: I don't know. I don't. I don't mean to cut you off and say that you're not right in whatever line of thinking you have, because everyone, even though I'm quote unquote hosting a podcast or whatnot. Let me go ahead and first and foremost tell you that I'm just a guy that plays this game. I love the game, just like everyone else that plays it. My opinion doesn't mean anything more than anyone else's. It's just everybody has an opinion. My opinion is that whatever you're saying, take into context that I took a deck that I've never played. I pulled Jaden's deck from last week. I watched him play it, and I made three changes, and I told you guys the three changes. I swapped the soul out. I moved 24 elders and dropped a card from reserve moved 24 elders to reserve, and then I added a, um, I dropped a hero and brought in Jacob uh, to protect hands. Three cards, and then the rest of the deck was the exact same one that he played. And I was able to disrupt Jay. If Jay would, was on, he'd probably tell you, every time he went to do something, I had an answer until the very end where he's fishing for a son of God, and I had burned all my resources as far as dominance to interject on his turn.
2: My point is though that you're you're counting on either having a a counter soul or a counter dominant in hand in the opening eight, and with that, um, one of my big points is that uh, if if this is the combo that people are going to be running, it's going to force you to run cards like shipwreck, which you might not run. Uh, Shipwreck's a good card, but it's, it's cards you're targeting like shield is a is a card that. People would put shipwreck
0: in for. Well, I th- I think with Herod's Temple, shipwreck is actually almost a staple level dominant with GOC phase one now. It could be, but you could also
2: not. You know, it's not one of the things that you have to. But if this combo's in, then you have you you pretty much have to. Um, you have to have cards like Christian Martyr in to try to get rid of their hero. Uh, you know, their Ephesian Widow whatever. You have to have uh, three woes, which most people have that. Um, you have to have Crowd's Choice, again, to give you another chance to get a Three Woes or a Shipwrecked or something else. And so what I'm saying is, your Doms are almost set for you. Um, You can't play cards like Voice from Heaven. You can't play Grapes of Wrath. You can't play... You you probably can't even really play like Burial, you know, or something like that. It's good against the first combo, but not against this one. It's not going to stop it or help you. Um, And so... That to me is is the only main thing. Like if if there becomes a combo that forces you, these are the doms you. Because if you don't have a good dom or a dom to play in your opening eight, they're gonna get rid of every evil card in your deck. You know, if they go first. Now, that's what I was saying. Like it's a matter who goes first at that point. If you don't have luck of the draw, and so that would be my that, main. That's thing.
0: that's definitely fair. Because I did have I did have a couple of answers with distress coming out turn one and having access to get shipwreck Um, again I think that came by way of virgin birth but I'm not 100% sure so I had the answers in the opening eight which gave me the flexibility to let him go first so that I limited his access to resources before he tried to combo Um, so I definitely get what you're saying let me ask you guys this and this is kind of um, taking into account our player base and again I'll say that what you see on Discord is probably not the majority of players. There's players that have the starter decks and maybe buy, you know, a few packs of the new set that you'll never hear from. They're they're at home playing with their family or they have a small group that they're not worried about plugging into the community. It's just a game for them that they play lightheartedly. They're not super competitive about it. But the competitive players that we know on Discord, they're active on the boards that you know we're we're tossing out first name basis john you know who i'm talking about i say josh you know who i'm talking about um things of that nature Jay jeremy people know these people by first name basis it's a small community of the small player base that we have how many how how what's the percentage you think guys and i'll ask you first rob um what do you think the percentage of players that would consider themselves a combo player? Like I want to play some type of combo deck or some type of combo in my deck because I think of the competitive. Now I think it's completely like nobody cares about combos. That's not one of the ultra competitive players, but of the ultra competitive players, I think we're around 50% and North of that. So what do you guys think?
1: I would say that number is probably about accurate. And I, if if not, maybe a little bit more just based off what happened at last Nats. Um, they, they could see how prominent it was and go, you know what? Maybe the next time I see a combo present itself, maybe I need to look into copying that or modifying it to my version um, just to do that. And there are, I have to say that number is, like I said, probably about accurate. Um, or, and then the other half would be, um, either I'm going to play what I want or I'm going to see this combo and go, no, I'm not going to play it, but I need to come up with a way to stop it. And so it would be interesting to see what Josh does. the <laughs> wonder if he can come up with another counter for this one.
2: I don't know what the percent is. I, th- I think it would be probably higher than 50% as far as the hardcore players. <clears throat> but I guess um, my thinking is uh, when it comes down to Nats or when it comes to a a very competitive tournament, you know, what it's going to come down to when when things like this happen are either you're playing the combo or you're playing against the combo. And I think that really limits the creativity of what's out there. One of the things that I was excited about whenever um, they nerfed the reserve rule was it really opened up for a lot of different themes and types of decks. That was really, like, for that period of time before GOC came out – you could play somebody, and you had no idea what they were playing. I mean, once they started playing the cards, and you're like, okay, they're playing this type of offense or this type of defense. But there was so many things available to to win and win, and we saw that in the Lackey Grand Prix. Man, like, the amount of different styles of decks that people played, it was just fun, you know? Um, I think if we were to have it, well,
0: well, let me get on that note. I played the style of deck that loses, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how fun the Lackey Grand Prix was. <laughs> let's let's play it with context here.
2: <laughs> but there's also other. I, I will say, uh, I'll give another shout out to Seth too. Um, he's one of the players I played more times than most, uh, especially because when I first started playing in Lackey, uh, he was just one of the people that was always available. He's not as much anymore. And I'm not as much anymore. But he always has a combo that he's trying to do. And he's he showed me some combos I've never seen before, which I think is really cool. And that uh, you know, people that have that type of mindset and you know really study the cards and that's cool. But it wasn't anything that like completely like wiped the deck or anything. You know what I'm saying? Like it was like, wow, I didn't see that coming, and he won the soul and he really hurt me, but I'm still in the game. I feel like if somebody takes out every defensive card in my deck at that point i'm just kind of like man why (laughs) why should i finish this i know you're gonna come in and rescue a soul on your turn (laughs) you've already got your second son of god and second coming because you drew your whole deck so there's three on the first turn and i have nothing to stop you unless
0: you play a philist an entire philistine deck from reserve which can be done
2: how do you get it though well
0: you have to have you would have to have some reserve access yeah, left,
2: but How, that's what I'm saying. If, if they you, could, rid- you could
0: use Concealed Riches and they can't hit that. So then you could swap cards in your hand with your defense in your reserve.
2: But that goes to the point, again, you have to be playing against a combo.
0: Well, Concealed Riches is a good card either way. So I've, It is a
2: good card, but I haven't seen it in a single deck
1: yet.
0: Well, okay, that's fair. I agree it's a good card.
1: I think also, like I mean, you, you mentioned it earlier too, John, people have to get used to the second coming not being a, a soul-winning dom anymore.
0: Yeah. And I think adding crowds choice. Now it's a very costly thing to go second coming to Crowd's choice to go to your shipwreck or to go to your Christian martyr. But like I mean at a certain point
1: If it saves the defense.
0: <laughs> right. And and this is what I'm 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 gathering and I don't want to cut anyone down. And again, my opinion is an opinion. That's why I bring people on every week. They've got different opinions. So this is just me talking, but spitballing, if you will. That's how we say it down here in the South. I'm spitballing. But um, at a certain point, if you play a competitive game, back to the football analogy, if they're blitzing you every play and your pass, pass protection cannot hold up, at a certain point you're throwing screens on the outside, bubble screens to get the ball out quick, or you're running, trying to punish them for being over-aggressive, having you know a cutback run, um, things of that nature. Like what they do dictates what you do. And that's the truth in every competitive sport, every competitive thing. Why should our game be any different if we're being competitive? Why should a player playing a certain thing in the field not dictate what I do? And I think every year you can look back at nationals and the person that had the best meta call um, as far as a tech in their deck or had the most answers to different things in the field in their deck is the one that more often than not wins the game, wins wins the whole thing. And so why is it not okay for, yeah, you're you're losing some creativity, but if you want to be creative, at a certain point you have a space to do that with your play group, in the local tournaments, district. When you get up to where you're playing the top of the top players in the game, if you're not letting them dictate what you play, you're not coming to win. And I I 100% believe that in my heart after going to my first nationals last year. If you are not playing something in your deck that's an answer to what someone else, if you're not trying to answer the question that every other deck is posing to you, then you're not, you're not coming to win. You're coming to have fun and play. And you can do that however you want to, but if you want to come and win, I think absolutely the, the field and other players dictate what you play. So since we're talking football analogies, um,
2: I think about it like this, though. I can come up with trick plays. That are because when you watch a football game, all they're doing is running. This kind of this, every everybody's got the same offense essentially. All right, no, R- no roughly,
0: no, yeah, okay. but I'm going to let you run because again, opinions. But I wholeheartedly disagree with everything you said there and okay. probably are about to say. No,
2: you didn't let me finish. You didn't let me
0: finish. Okay,
2: so if you know anything about offense, John. Okay, they're going to run a sweep, or they're going to run this or that. They're going to do all these motions. They're going to pass. But, okay, receivers are running uh, slants. They're running goes. They're running curls. They're running, like, everybody's got the same analogy. They may call it something a little different. They're going to a Z route. They're going to run this. They, everything's got a name, right? Like, every route has a name. Every position has a name, and people know it, okay? Formations have names, and you can call it out. The announcer's saying, oh, they're in this formation. Oh, they did this. Everybody knows Okay, and people run different styles of offense. That's fine, but they're called something. But then you see something like a real trick play like, "Oh, I haven't seen that before or I wasn't expecting that," like the Philly special from the Super Bowl a while back. That was an incredible play. Now, was the defense ready for it? No. Was the offense have catch them completely off guard? Yes. But in the end, yes, they won the game, but it still counts for one touchdown, okay? Um, my thinking is though, like with, with some stuff when it comes to like redemption is there's those plays that people come up with and it's really cool. And it's like, man, wow, that was cool. And then there's like the backbreaking. Oh, by the way, this touchdown's worth three scores instead of one. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, that well, doesn't that's, seem as that's, that's,
0: that's because they played their goalpost on Golgotha. They put their goalpost artifact in play. Across, yeah, no I, I know what you're saying. but It what? fell flat. It was, a, it was a poor attempt at a joke. <laughs> so See, do you, do you not everyone's successful all the time. you jokes. still gr- disagree with what I was saying? <laughs> yes, because not all offenses are the same. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't, you didn't let me finish. I, I, I what get I what saying. you're saying, but I think there's so much diversity within that.
2: I mean, if you're Tennessee, again, you're, running, you're running with Derrick Henry. Okay, and you must stop that. Okay, if you're if you're Patrick Mahomes, okay, you're just a really good player and stuff like that. If you're Lamar Jackson, you got yeah. a running quarterback, which is you know harder to stop and all that.
0: You've got a running back playing quarterback. Yes. Yeah. He's not. a – Come on, don't do the man like that. He's he's a quarterback. I don't know when he can throw to somebody besides the tight end. I'll, I'll believe it.
1: Here in Baltimore, there's all those shirts saying not just another running back.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not digging on him at all. I'm just that was a dig. Let 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 me see, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo's dig against him is he can't throw outside to the receivers he can't throw down the field and outside to the receivers Lamar Jackson's got the same issues I mean honestly he throws downfield to his tight end he doesn't throw downfield to his receivers and exploit anybody's cornerbacks so when he starts to do that I'll tell you that he's a top level quarterback he's a good quarterback and honestly I'd probably rather have him overall than somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo but at a certain point, I'm not, I'm not crowning that man the next greatest thing, and he is not Michael Vick. He is not anybody. He is trying to be Lamar Jackson. I'm not one of those that says, oh, well, he's just trying to emulate somebody else. He's trying to do his own thing, and and, and he's not a running back. That, that was That's a joke, right, obviously. But at a certain point, if you're going to tell me that he's a top-level quarterback like a lot of people do, you're going to have to show me on footage, game footage – where he's gotten better since he took over as a starter.
2: But I would say with him, though, specifically, he doesn't have to be the downfield Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, or whatever quarterback because his run game opens up the shorter passes, the medium passes, and the the different routes that other people – other quarterbacks don't have those open.
0: So you're saying that he is a combo player that makes you play the game differently, no. all the way through the entire game, not just for one score.
1: No, because So, John and Brad, um, actually, like talking into that, I didn't mean to cut you guys off, but like from what you know sitting here in Baltimore watching every one of these games, the first his first year that he was actually playing. And it, and Baltimore was winning every game, like, what was it, like, 42-3. to 3. It was yep. embarrassing. Yeah, Be-
0: because they didn't have the book on him yet.
1: Well, look what happened next year. Everybody watched all his films, figured out how the offense ran, and figured out how to contain him. And he hasn't really been doing that good since then. So when you're talking about, like, the decks that we're talking about, it, it's exactly what Josh did. He looked at love at first sight and was like, okay, I'm going to figure out how this works. How to shut it down, and that, that might be something that we might be looking at with this new deck. But and it's funny because when you said you played John last night, I messaged him and was like, "Hey, you know, I want to play because I, you know, it's important to me." And one of the things that I've learned is I've never played John early yet, and I'm pretty sure he would beat me pretty bad. But I'm still going to go after him and try and play him because I'm going to learn from that loss and learn and see what that looks like. Absolutely. To be able to Make me a better player. I mean, I'm going to go after the big dogs and say, "Hey, let's sit down, let's play, let's let's see what's like." I mean, I was totally expecting to get on last night and be destroyed, and, and I didn't have a minute of that, so I probably would have been last night. But yeah, <laughs> that's something that I think a lot of these players need to realize. Is even though these combo decks are out there, play these people. You know, I can lose five to one to Jane, but I learned something. You know, and learn how I can change my deck to stop this from being as brutal next time.
0: Yeah. So so to pull it back a little bit and, and get away from the sports talk so much, but it's a good mm. good comparison. Um that like in competitive, you have to be aware of what your opponent's trying to do. And you can't necessarily just go out there. It's not it's not running running routes against air. It's running them against the other team's cornerbacks. you your running back going against their defense, your quarterback throwing into their secondary. Like there's a balance and you have to balance out what your deck can do and is capable of doing versus what an opponent will bring to the table. And I don't I don't see any problem with an opponent dictating what I play to a certain degree. Now if it's one where like they're guaranteed if this was something that I thought 90% it goes off first turn, they win the game, like Somehow the cross goes off first turn. They they deck both of us out. They mill me down, and they deck out somehow. I don't know that that's even an option, but if you found a way to make that happen, then obviously that's too strong. I never got to play the game. All right, let's 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 do something about that. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do something about that. It, it would be very easy to put Ephesian widow limit once per turn if you put an Ephesus hero down, and that would completely shut down both the draw off of life in the sun and then the Apollos uh, creating the tokens if you were limited to once per turn. And that's honestly the cleanest way to probably do it is a rattle one card. You're not banning anything, boom, knocks that out. But then you also have to look at the the first combo that we started this episode talking about because you have to have another way to to work that. And maybe Brad's suggestion of changing it from if put in play to if drawn. And maybe you do those two changes and then you just nerf them both. A little bit, um, and you you have a more healthy field. Now, I will admit that a field is healthier without these in them overall. But I also think allowing allowing top level competitors to go to the drawing board and be like, "All right, this is what they're going to do. Either I'm going to perfect the combo and run the best version of it, or I'm going to come up with the the counter deck that's going to win more times than not versus this." And I think you push competitive players to, you know, go to that, quote-unquote, get get in the lab and kind of figure out the answer to the question that this combo deck is posing. And I think if you just squash everything as soon as it comes out that's really strong like this, then you don't have that, that area for players to go into the card, you know, database and put together a counter deck that you know, wins more times than not against this combo. We saw it last year, and not every every combo deck needs to be compared to Love at First Sight. Um, unfortunately, I think that's out the window, and from now on, everyone's going to, this is worse than Love at First Sight. This is as bad. This is more devastating. It's always going to be a comparison thing. But I I just feel, I played against it with a deck that was not built to counter it per se. I knew it was coming, and I, I made sure that I had enough things in there to where I could give it a little resistance. And I stopped the combo from happening until the very end where he was able to fish for his uh, second coming. If I had built a straight-up counter deck and I was running at 50 cards instead of 57 to increase my odds of getting the cards that I needed to be the answer to the question, I, I just don't know where that line is. How 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 much... I definitely think we have to see it out into competitive tournament season to where, oh, well, it's won a couple of districts. Oh, it just won a state. And people are reporting negative play experience or whatnot. Because I think you have to balance it with what the community feels like. I think by the time it got to Nationals last year, everyone in the community just wanted Love at First Sight to be kind of done with. And maybe that's that's what happened. This this runs its its course and then on the backside people are just, all right, I'm done with it. We had fun with it. Go ahead and take care of it. But doing it so quickly and pushing away those players that want to have the challenge of maybe coming up with a counter deck because they think they're, you know, that type of player and deck builder. And you know what Josh did last year, um, that I think really makes his his win that much more valuable. To him as a player because he went in and he didn't get to play what he wanted to he played what the meta dictated him to play and he was able to craft a deck that not only when it played the love at first sight combo but it played other counter decks and it played other regular balance decks it was able to win in a variety of different ways um and i don't think you have that if they just no no telling what josh would have played last year or even if he would have played Because he was talking about how he he didn't make plans until kind of last minute to come to Nationals. And was it the fact that this challenge, you know, posing the question of who's going to stop love at first sight, oh, well, I can build a deck to take care of that. Maybe that makes a player, you know, engage them a little bit to where they want to go and show that they can stop it. Definitely a balance that has to be worked. And, I mean, that's really all we can say is that Leadership does not have an easy job of identifying where that line is and when it crosses over. But I think we... I I don't think if tomorrow when... Well, by the time you're reading or or hearing this episode, Jaden's video came out yesterday, Monday. I don't think leadership should take that run with it and within the next two weeks we should immediately have an errata or a rule change, something to stop the combo. I think at at a certain point you, you at least give it its, its due to run into competitive tournaments and then see how it works. Is that fair to you guys? Are you on board with that, that line of thinking?
1: Yeah, I can, I can understand that. I mean, you definitely want to, like, like I said, my one of my earlier comments, we don't know the percentage of this thing, how efficient it really is. So just from what we've seen, it looks like it can be, it has the potential to be um, very efficient in pulling it off and you know, taking away your opponent's defense and just kind of going in there for free souls. But, um, I could see and understand just letting it play out a little bit, seeing if we can come up with some, um, things to try and stop it. Um, which are probably going to be mostly lost souls or dominance because with the new reserve role access, it's not like you can use any of the, uh, play this character, um, you know, those, those with the star cards to get something from reserve, like whether it's the all the curses to negate neutral cards or whatever it is. But
0: yeah, that is a, that is a fair point when you talk about counters that I I honestly had just kind of skimmed over is the fact that some of those are limited versus what was there last year because of the reserve yeah. rule.
1: Yeah, it's going to be different than love at first sight. So you're pretty much going to be relying on Dominance and souls and just those kind of packages. It's not going to be as much resources, but and if it proves to. Start dominating. I mean, there's. I know there's some states and districts coming up, and if it starts getting that way, then yeah. And I kind of agree with the erratas that, that you and Brad came up with those the uh, kind of fixes where you're not banning nothing, you're not really taking anything away, you're just kind of slowing it down a little bit.
2: Yeah, I, I think the I like um, how long it took to errata uh, like "Endless Treasures," for instance. You know, um, that was such a powerful card. Um, to be able to go in and get a you know, throw down a golden calf and draw two and then of course we delivered and all that stuff, uh get two accesses. Um so I mean that was a good change. I think that like for instance throne, you know, I'll bring that back up. <laughs> um the the especially the year it won first, second, third, um, it it, it became like either you're playing throne or you're not winning. Um is essentially what it was. But rotation helped take care of that because you got rid of Ishmael and Abigail and a few of the other ones that were key to that. Um, But essentially, it was a race to go first, to get back when the rules were, get enough souls out and all that stuff, Uh, get your remnant, get your exiles, get this, get that, boom, it goes off. No restricted reserve access. All that stuff has helped. So I think over time, I think, Leadership always fixes what needs to be fixed. And it's never been a rush. I don't remember anything being rushed except for maybe Morning Weep. Um, I think that got errated, like, right away almost. I don't even – like, when we got into the game, it was already errated.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that, is, that is fair, though. But that one kind of completely, completely warped an entire category. Like if you were playing multiplayer and you pulled that off to where every other player skips their next battle phase,
2: yeah, that like, type two. I think they said it was. Yeah,
0: type two as well. But uh, def- definitely in like multiplayer, I think type two multi is like where they were talking about it as far as type two. But multiplayer just being warped by that one card, I think they had to do something um, about it. And it was also you know seeing play in regular regular games, so. That one probably called for a quick response.
2: So, I mean, I, like you posed the question, yeah. I mean, honestly, I would I would love to play a couple games against both of these still. Like, I would like to play a couple more against the first, a couple more against Life in the Sun, which, you know, you're saying about names, you know, maybe Sewing in the Sun or something. Uh, try, I was trying to think of the combo there.
0: I really need to add a uh, want wonk, wonk sound.
2: <laughs> My, my i've got a, i've got a
0: sound pad here guys let's let's see what sounds we have maybe we can come over here okay that's that that sucks <laughs> there's birds your joke got bird chirping michael myers
2: <laughs> there it is
0: there you go all right say so okay. your joke again from the top let's hear it
2: uh sewing in the sun what do you think
0: They like we're, we're getting fancy over here, guys. Oh, there it is. There it is. All right. All right, guys. We're going to back it up three minutes, and we're going to take it from the top. Brad, talking about names.
2: So I got this great idea for the combo. I'm thinking sewing in the sun. Wait, wrong. Can't get the wah There we
0: go. All right. And then the other two are, obviously, you guys know these. I'll just go through the whole pad with you. Is. We got the... We're not ending the episode just yet, but we got that one. And then...
2: In the beginning, there was... Oh, remember wow. when I did the
0: Angel Wars episode? I've still got the sound on my sound pad.
1: <laughs> the first of the Maker King's creation. All
0: right, all right. Sorry I hijacked I hijacked your point. Go ahead, carry on. I'm done.
2: I don't remember what the point was.
0: <laughs> it was the that point. you come up with bad deck names.
2: Yeah, that's it. it.
0: Um, so, okay. So, definitely, <laughs> there's there's the gist of this entire episode is that there's two combos out. And I think the most devastating part about them is that they can all be put together in the same deck. You can put the first combo in with the, um, the widow combo, uh, the Ephesian widow combo. And it's also like I told you guys when I was setting it up and showing you how it works is you don't have to have all the pieces to pull off the sewing bountifully. You can actually just focus on getting Ephesian widow a meat clay card, and then Life in the Sun. And those lead you to deck out. And once you deck out, at that point, then you have everything to pull off the Apollos bouncing cycle over and over to create up to 100 tokens. However many tokens you want to. Just go crazy with it. Play all the tokens. Um, But then you, you put that down. Oh, also in Jay's game, I forgot to tell you guys, again using the deck that the deck that Jaden built to play Matt last week, the afflicted was in the deck. So every time they put a hero, they have to discard a card from hand. So he had to play around that. He ended up having to use authority of Christ, choose the blocker with Simon, the disciple, and then play authority of Christ just to get rid of my one evil character. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, so you can put these combos all together. And the, the only thing you really need to do to get off the one is to get Ephesian widow a meat clay card and life in the sun and then you create your cycle and you end up with everything you need to pull off the bigger combo of getting rid of all their evil cards so it is it is i don't want i don't want anyone to walk away from this thinking oh well john played against it and he he thinks that nothing needs to be done about it i'm not saying that i'm saying that i really respect and i appreciate that leadership has decided that they're going to let combos exist within reason until they get to a point where they show that they are extremely unhealthy for the game, and then something needs to be done. I think asking people to to go back to the drawing board and find a way to counter a combo for a couple of months is healthy because it makes the players that are having to counter the combo, boom. Last year, love at first sight, we had to figure out a bunch of counters. A lot of those counters could apply to stopping this deck. Similarly, um, so you have you have things that you learn, you're constantly getting better as a player. And I don't think asking players to um, play outside of their comfort zone is a bad thing. Now, if it always, like, if this is allowed to exist in, you know, infinitely to where it's always an option, somebody could just be playing this, you know, 10 years from now. That's a problem, obviously. But to let it run its course um, and have – the space to do that I really appreciate leadership because I know there's a lot of people out there that like to do combos and come up with them to be honest I'm kind of a combo-ish player like when I came up with that Noah deck that abused all kinds of things there was a bunch of like combo pieces to set that up I thought like it had a combo type feel to it but could also play as a normal deck because of how strong Noah's ability is on its own um, and you have just the the whole consistency package of Genesis which is, you know, out of this world Um, so I'll say it again for the last time we're not judging the combo has come to light now everyone has an idea of it or you should if you have not watched Jaden's video Rob, quit slacking, you've got to have your Thursday time slot, 2-3 to make sure you get on the video conference and watch Jaden's video
1: Like I gotta watch the last one and this one
0: yeah, but like honestly like watch the video and yes it's a devastating combo but the score of five four in multiple games against it means that it's at a certain point like i mean there was a there was some interaction there and easily i thought mine and jay's game could have gone differently so there's that and then i guess i'll go ahead since i've got both of you guys on and the Lackey Grand Prix is kind of the first time that we're getting to play with GOC cards. What do you guys think about um not to continue the conversation, you know, infinitely here, just just a quick question. What do you guys think about GOC now that you've gotten to play with some of the cards? Um, and I guess we'll we'll start with you, Brad.
2: Um, honestly, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around a lot of it. <laughs> I keep thinking I might have time to really sit down with it. But I've I've enjoyed it so far. Um uh, I got to play Rob, <laughs> so that was fun. And he was playing more of a, the of the disciples, and I was playing more of the gold. Uh, I think is that right? Yeah, I was playing the disciples. Okay, so that was, that was kind of cool. Um, the d- just see that matchup and man, he hit me with a a. I'll I'll let you spoil what you hit. You me with. Be, yeah, you can do it, Brad. Okay. <laughs> <It's good. laughs> um, so he came in with. Uh, Simon, I think is what it was. Or no, he he falling away my Moses, which I had Moses the Cloud of Witness, I believe. So, he... No, I I think I had the old one. I think I had just the old one. Uh, He falling away him, came in with Simon, converted him to Meek to choose the blocker, which is... A a combo's been around for a while, but he brought him in uh, and then he played Authority of Christ (laughs) and wiped out my old board. I was like, wow. But that's a great combo, think, you know? I think you had
1: all your Egyptians out, too. It was like...
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you probably hit, like, five characters uh, all at once. And he won the soul. Nothing I can do about it. But that's just the nature of authority of Christ. And I think that that's still fine. Because I still had evil characters. I still was able to defend myself next turn, you know, and things like that. Um And, of course, there's all kind of co- uh, cards that can toss... Cannot be negated and all that stuff. But anyways, you asked me about GOC. We're not talking about combos anymore. Um, I, I I like it so far. Uh, I'll be interested to see whenever Phase 2 comes out. I don't think that Phase 1 is overly powerful in and of itself outside of these couple of combos. Um, I was talking to you, John, the other day. I said, you know, in a, in a normal matchup, I, I wouldn't feel too bad playing all the Old Testament cards, or mostly, and then throwing in a few of the New Testament uh, GOC cards. But... You know, even playing with what we played against last Grand Prix, you know, some of those decks I think could fare pretty well against DOC, which I think is healthy. Um, but they're pretty fun so far. A little bit different strategy, a lot of reserve and things like that to get used to. So,
1: Yeah, I think um, the the biggest thing for me is just learning what they're, what the cards do. I mean, we have them all and we, we have them like, you know, we've, we've looked at them. We, you can see them on Lackey, you're building them. But there's even moments where like, as I'm playing, I'm like, okay, and i got to remember exactly what this card does. I have an idea, but I might not remember each and every ability on the card. But it's, it's definitely been a blast um, using them. Um, as Brad mentioned, I've kind of grown partial to the Disciples. Uh, Matthew has just got a, an amazing ability. Um, and so with my round one in the Lackey Grand Prix, I ended up probably decking out turn four. I'm not as good as Jaden, so I, it took me three turns later. Um, but maybe that's just like, you know, wine it just takes a little bit more time to get better. But um basically I'm I'm enjoying it and it's you know, when we ever them, 'em, you're like, Yeah, I can't wait to play the card, can't wait to play that card. But there's even some cards that like I said I couldn't wait to play and I'm like, eh, I'll kind of put that a little aside and there's cards that I didn't really like that I've actually incorporated and it's just been a blast. And Brad mentioned it too, the change that you see just from the first Grand Prix to this one, it was uh, I feel the first one was, it, you. I could sit down and just play anybody and not even know what they're playing, just like Brad said, until a card was dropped. Um, I'm kind of getting a little bit understanding what they're playing going on to this, uh, the second side of it, but I, I think that a lot of people are going to be testing out some stuff. You know, we do have Nats this year, and I think these Grand Prix are good opportunities for people to test out the Gospel of Christ cards, see what's what works what does it what might look good on paper might not actually work you know once you put it to the test and that's kind of how I'm looking at it what I'm doing I'm testing out a bunch of different things just to see what it looks like and um kind of t- also test the field and the meta what everybody else is using to gauge what I'm going to incorporate in my deck
0: Yeah um Brad Brad told me to do this while you were you were running there but I didn't want to interrupt you so I got to I got to hit you with it man you made the bad joke about wine. <laughs>
1: yeah I did not
0: want to I d I don't wanna I didn't want to interrupt the flow there. Um so we're gonna I guess we're gonna have fun now that I know where that is on the on the sound pad. People aren't gonna want to come on the podcast anymore because their bad jokes are gonna be called out. Um so I will tell you my thought about GOC is almost it, it it's going to sound counter. Um, to the whole conversation we had for the first hour, you know, 10 minutes of this, talking about the combos and how fast people are decking out. I don't think GOC is as fast and reckless as I initially thought it was going to be. Like when I looked at the gold, New Testament gold cards, the Samaritans and whatnot, I was like, this seems kind of busted the way they're sending everything to your reserve and manipulating your resources. And then you talk about Matthew having that draw, Thomas the twin getting to the dominance. Um, I don't think it's as reckless as I thought it was going to be. And it's weird because we have two combos that can be played together or whatnot that allow you to deck out turn one. Um, but not those notwithstanding, get those out of your mind, just playing straight GOC and not, you know, running – a combo to force a deck out turn one. I really do think that they did a good job of having really strong abilities to where you want to play these cards and test them out, but they're not so overpowered that you feel like if you don't play these cards you're at a disadvantage. Like I I, I think I think once it, it it's it's hard to say with LOC when it came out Uh, Because you still had the Throne uh, active, you know, Throne of David, the original one from Rock of Ages. You still had that kind of warping things so that you could build a deck and not have to worry about the meek stuff. But if you were playing a deck outside of that and you weren't utilizing some of the meek stuff and you played somebody that was, it almost felt like they had, you know, a bit of an upper hand on you. And so you almost felt like you needed to play some of that or play into it a little bit. And I don't think GOC is so much that. Obviously, there are some good cards that you want to play in Splash in a variety of decks. Some, some cards maybe you want to play in every deck. Um, some people are going to love or hate Crowd's Choice. But Crowd's Choice as another way to get to a card that you desperately need as an answer to something or to set something up that you're trying to do is a good card. So some people might, you know, even though I don't personally think it goes in every deck... You know, some people might, you know, create a crutch of that card and you might see it, you know, kind of become a staple for certain players. Um, But just stuff like that, I don't think you're at an extreme disadvantage when you play against somebody playing primarily GOC cards and you're playing primarily, like Brad mentioned, Old Testament stuff from previous sets. I think think they did a really good job of balancing it out, and I didn't necessarily think that was going to be the case when I first looked at the cards. I was a little worried about the disciples just running away with it. But then I played disciples and you have to choose this ability or this one. They don't really band all together. Now you can manipulate and band them all together. Obviously there's ways to do it with enhancements. Um, I think one of the enhancements that you could use, just not thinking about it too hard, is use one of the disciples to convert so that they're clay and you could use like Faith of Samuel to band in and something like that. But
1: they don't necessarily do
0: Yeah. They they honestly don't even work all that well when you get them all into battle. Like they they have specific like you want Simon to come in, and choose the blocker, and have an answer for that one blocker. You want uh now obviously you could you could then parry in obviously Matthew could come in and draw. You could you could do that. But it's not as overpowered as I thought it was gonna be. So I think actually without letting the current state of combo within the game kind of skew the fact that you know something slipped through testing that's always going to be the case when you have people that are you know not full-time employees dedicated to doing this um, and I, so obviously we, we grant some grace with that as players we have to because it's just impossible to expect them to catch everything I think overall they did a really good job balancing the set and I'm actually enjoying playing it and after the combo, maybe at the you know if it goes through the course of the season, who knows? But it'll be interesting to see how phase two when it comes out, if it's kind of balanced the same way, or if I know that the, like we assumed, this, um, demons are pretty strong, herods are pretty strong, thieves. So there's there's a lot of things to look forward to, but I assume it's going to have the same kind of balance that phase one has. So overall, I think the set's going to in retrospect, once we have all the cards in hand, we're going to appreciate all the work that came into putting them together. And I think overall it's going to be a fun meta once both phases are released and we're past at at whatever rate, either, you know, people find an answer to it and it just works itself out or they make an errata change. We're past the combo portion of this. I think it's going to be a really good set. Kind of how Lineage of Christ, when it first came out, it was just thrown, but then once thrown, kinda won that nationals the year that it was moved because of covid it seemed like people started you know digging into the set and realized oh this is a really good set and there's different things that you can do and whatnot and i think i'm looking forward to to that with phase two not to ramble too much so um either of you gentlemen have anything you would like to add before we end
1: um, I don't have anything really over here. Just, uh, I, I'm basically just a follow up and agreeing with you that, yeah, I don't, my initial thought was that uh, same with you, that the New Testament goal was just, I was like, how is this not going to reserve half of somebody's deck, you know? But then I actually built it and started playing. I was like, yeah, this, this is not as powerful as I first looked at it. I mean, it's, it's good, but it's not like, yeah, it's just not, it's,
0: yeah, it's not, it doesn't make you feel like, oh, oh Lord, if they put down one Samaritan, I'm in trouble because I know what's right, coming. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was. It wasn't that strong, and the same with the disciples. I think there's primarily. Um, I've talked to a couple other uh, people, um, and, and working with what I've been building, but I think there's primarily just like four disciples that I even use. Really, I know there's like nine in the set, but there's really you know Matthew and Simon being them, and I think it's Thomas and uh, Philip, the main four. But um, I'm assuming that the Peter and the Andrew and all that are coming out in GOC Phase Two will probably pump them up a little more, but what we got right now, they're just it's not and it's cool to see that so that it's like you somebody could still play a, an Exodus deck with the new plays and still kinda match up with some of the New Testament themes and then you're not it's not like we're gonna be the initial thought was, Oh, everything old Testament's gonna be bad. Everybody's playing you have to play New Testament now because GOC is gonna make you do that. So and i it's kinda good to see that and Yeah. That you can still do both.
0: I I think a lot of it was a lot of people felt like they were gonna be forced to play New Testament souls as well. And that also hasn't been the case, um, so I I, I think I can. It's it's hard to it's hard to say that on the heels of a conversation talking about combos that are warping the meta uh, or have the potential to warp the meta a little bit. But I really do think overall they did a good job balancing the set because that initial thought was like, oh boy, this looks this looks bonkers. So, Brad, you got any, you got anything to add? Yeah, I'll just add that. Uh... I agree with you guys. Oh. There, there we go. There we go. I knew was coming. So, yeah, so I'll quit having fun with the soundboard here. Thank you guys for joining Brad, Rob. Um, I guess I'll get to editing this. So, again, if you've listened to this podcast and you have not watched Jaden's video showing the combo deck that he came up with and then you haven't seen the one two weeks ago, He's got a video on both of the combos. Make sure you go and watch those. Give uh, give Jaden his props for – I'm saying I give Jaden his props for coming up with the combo decks because um, even if you don't like that they're out there, trust me, you want them to be out there so that they can get handled. Um, so we'll, we'll just kind of leave it at that. Yes,
2: I'll add to that. Thank you very much for showing us some of these things instead of just keeping them to yourself.
1: Yeah, thank you, Jaden.
2: All right.
0: Peace. All right. Thanks for listening. Milestone episode number 20 is now in the books. Want to thank again, Rob and Brad for coming on and discussing the state of combos within the game. And definitely want to thank Jaden for bringing these to light and sharing them with the community so that everyone knows that they're out there and knows that they exist. Also, We do not envy the position that leadership is in, so all of the elders that will have to make that decision of when to step in or how far to let this run before they do something about it, definitely don't envy being in that position and we definitely will obviously roll with whatever decision that they make and trust that they're going to make the right decision for the health of the game, so definitely value those guys. Um, I would encourage you, if you are signed up for the Lackey Grand Prix, make sure you get your games in for round two. That should be up now as far as the pairings go. And otherwise, we'll look forward to seeing you next week where we will welcome back Chris Fashman to the podcast to continue a discussion that we started a few weeks back about playgroup building, and we'll kind of talk about that next step and how to further develop, build that playgroup, build the collection of cards for those players and whatnot, So look forward to that for next week and we'll be seeing you then. Peace.